Good morning, church. Good morning to those on Zoom as well. We're so glad, glad to have you. It is such a privilege to be able to speak with you guys today. I don't, uh, I don't take it for granted that Ben has trusted me to be able to stand up front here, even on a, a warm, sunny Sunday summer after Sunday morning. Um, I'm so excited to be able to invite you guys into some of our story and some of the things that I've been wrestling with. While I've, while I've done this once before, and certainly I've spoken to, in front of crowds, I admit the last couple of weeks as I've been praying and wrestling with the Lord about this, the bundle of emotions of nervousness and excitement and vulnerability has been something that um, has just been really leading up to this moment. So I'm really excited to be here to share with you guys today. I, the, the topic today, going back to James, is I want us to really revisit and think about what are good and perfect gifts, and how does that, how should that influence our faith? The, now, when I uh, told my mother this is what I was talking about this morning, she was kind enough to say, like, like you, you're a good and perfect gift. And uh, it was very sweet of her, and my in-laws, who were standing next to her, did not say anything, um, <laughs> which, which led me to believe that they feel the same way. Uh, the, all, all, all kidding aside, um, for me, reflecting back on you know, the first 30 years of my life, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into what good and perfect gifts are. I just thought, you know, just, I, I left it generally at the idea that God wants good things for me. Um, but then over the last couple of years, and I'll, I'll, I'll share the story in a second, but I've, I, I would like to invite us today to consider that good and perfect gifts are typically things that going into it, we didn't, we didn't want God to give us because he cares more about our character and his kingdom than he does about our comfort. Um, so before we step into it, I just, wanted, I just wanna pray for us really quickly. Dear Lord, thank you that you are a God who cares about our character more than our comfort, that loves us, that wants to transform us into people that are trustworthy with your kingdom. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit is in all of us. Please uh, use it to test and approve um, everything I say today, Lord, that, that, uh, that what is important to you would stick, that what isn't we would forget, and that you would talk, speak through me today. And we love you so much, Jesus. Amen. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard not to tell this story and how, how you know, a couple years ago I really started thinking about good and perfect gifts without giving you a little bit of background about the, the church that we were in previously. Before having the, you know, the blessing to be able to join Union Hill Church, we were part of a church that I would characterize as charismatic. They were very focused on prayer and worship and pursuing spiritual gifts and things like that that honestly over that, that time period... I grew a lot. I grew to the point of realizing I love prayer. I love being able to sit and worship with the Lord. I love being in that, in that space. Um, I learned to hear the Lord in different ways than I did before and things that I, uh, I've taken with me and want to continue to grow in as, as I learn to interact and hear his voice better. But over time, um, you know, after, after being in that space, being on the elder board for a couple of years, really wrestling with the vision of the church, where we're going, I came to realize that, that in, a, in a setting where one is so hyper-focused on prayer and spiritual gifts and those kinds of things that uh, without, having, without a proper understanding of what God cares about most and our role in his kingdom, it's possible for good things like prayer and worship and spiritual gifts to actually accidentally become an idol and get out of order in God's kingdom. The... Uh, I mean, as, as, as my wife and I continued to wrestle with, with being there and in that space, there was part of me that started to feel a kind of, you know, reference to when Jesus called up the Pharisees and he would say, you, when he told them, you are neglecting your family duties by saying, I'm giving what I could have given to you to the Lord. 
And we oftentimes found that in prayer, in being invited and almost told that you need to come to these prayer meetings and do these things, it would turn into an excuse of saying, well, you need to be here instead of going and you know, taking a meal to that, to that new mom or sitting with that, with that gal whose daughter just died or really getting into the, the weeds and the nitty gritty and the messy of, of God's other children. And one of the things I really, really love about Union Hill Church is that there's this general understanding of what is most important to God. The Ben spoken about it a few weeks ago, Mark a couple weeks ago referenced, referenced this, just the idea that Jesus tells us really clearly that the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, or some translations say the second is um, just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this fulfills all the law and the prophets. The, in, in, in that space, I was realizing that it's so important to be grounded and have an understanding that am I caring about what God cares about? And am I letting him transform me into somebody who cares more about the things that he cares about? The, and w- with that, also being aware of and thinking, what did God make us for? What was, what was his original intention? So I want to go back briefly to all the way to Genesis 1, verse 26, where God talks about after, after he has settled creation, he has called it good. He has taken the chaos and he has separated, he has created order and he has put goodness into it. And then he stops and he says, I've made human in my image with my likeness, with my, um, uh, what's the word, but just with, with, uh, with our nature. There we go. I, I, a few years ago, I, I heard a sermon by one of my favorite pastors. His name is John Tyson. This is the first time I'd run into him. Um, he's a pastor in New York, but he, his entire sermon was talking about how that, that particular piece is so core to how we interact with, with, with God, with creation, that we understand. And he, he's originally from Australia, and he called it, he said that God made us to create culture. <laughs> said, we had to create culture. We're supposed to take chaos and create order and goodness. And, <laughs> and it's everything from, a, and he talked about, he's ordering finances, ordering our households, ordering our interactions. He made a joke. He's like, sports, I don't know what that's about. What are we doing there? <laughs> the, uh, but the idea that as, as a people, our nature is to reflect what God did, which is take chaos and create order and goodness out of it. And that's how we get to interact with creation. So if that's the lens that we get to step into, we get to say, okay, what's most important to God is that we, that we love him and love people. And those things are inseparable. And in doing so, we get to bring his kingdom by taking the chaos of the world and we get to step in. He's invited us to create order, to create goodness within that. The, and I mean, at the end of the, the chapter that I, that I had Mark read in James, you know, even James references that, the religion that God, and, that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A few months ago, I was reading, reading the Old Testament as the Lord's giving out the law. I just loved this section. Lord, like it, just, it, it hit me pretty hard where at the beginning of the chapter, God says, there should be no poor among you. And 10 verses later, he says, there will always be poor among you, so give generously. I think the power of that invitation of saying the Lord has an ideal, he has, has an ultimate end game, but it's not, that's not the current reality. So we are invited to step into that. And that's what love looks like, is, is being people who take care of the poor and the lowly and the needy. Because that, that is where God lives. That's where God, that's who God loves. 
So after, after wrestling with a lot of those things and realizing that the prayer room is really, really powerful, um, but if we, if we aren't letting it transform us into people who do those things, live out of that identity of people who bring and partner with God into culture, that there's, some, there's something missing. And similarly, and this is just me, me and my wife wrestling with this, we came to an under, I, I came to an understanding that, that a prayer culture without a proper understanding of good and perfect gifts resulted in us, even if we spent more time in the prayer room, more time in that community, more time in worship, it didn't mature us or our community in the way that we needed to be matured. And it often created meaningful insecurities in us. And l- l- let, me, let me elaborate that on, on that a little bit. It's uh, with, without a foundation of, of what are we supposed to look like? Are we supposed to become people that, that look more like Jesus, that are bear, bearers of his image? It's easy to accidentally cherry pick verses. Things like, okay, Jesus died, so now we have the keys to the kingdom. The, uh, it says you know, multiple times in the Bible that if we ask for something, we'll receive it. And if we take those things and we step into prayer, it's really easy to think that, okay, if God, if we have authority, if God will give me things and he loves me, to then assume that, okay, if I ask for it, I'm going to get it. But but the thing is, that's not how a good father works. But without having a context for what are the good things that God has for me, it's easy to have insecurities be created when you step in, you press in, you have the faith, you have the belief, but then you don't see the things that you're asking for. And that was something where we found that those insecurities often kind of manifested in in a couple of different ways. one, there would be some people who accidentally got, you know, did some posturing, who would step into a space of, I don't know what's going on, but I have access to the prayer room, so don't question what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing. And, and that, that always grieved me quite a bit of being like, let's, what if we could wrestle with this together? What if we could be people that are formed together and, and ask the Lord, okay, if you love me, if I'm not seeing these things, what is the thing that, what, what am I missing here? But that without that particular gap, without that, that piece there, I'd say and, uh, a, a lot of people, including my wife and I, we got to the, the, the point of thinking, are we doing this right? <laughs> if we're spending time in the prayer room, if we're asking the Lord, if we have the faith, if we have the belief, and we're not seeing, seeing the, the results, if we're not seeing the things that we're asking for, even things that like we thought were good things, what, what does that mean? Um, and sometimes if, you know, these are things in that, in that type of culture where it can be explicitly or implicitly implied that you know, the, the idea of, hey, if you're not seeing it, maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe you're not asking hard enough. Um, occasionally, there can be a, a dispro- disproportionate attribution to, you know, maybe Satan is coming against you. And the fear there uh, you know, that, that we wrestle with quite a bit is, is like certainly there's spiritual warfare that we have to be aware of, but God already has the victory of that. So being aware of never actually, never giving the, the enemy more, more, uh, more power than he actually has. And then lastly, the, the dangerous part of, of saying, okay, if, if I'm asking in faith, is God upset with me? Does God not love me? And after, uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously we, we are here now. We're members of Union Hill Church. There was unfortunately, after some back and forth and wrestling with these things a couple of years ago, um, we had a, a, a messy departure from that church, but we still love them, want the best for them. But as, as we were wrestling with those things, I, I continue to have these questions of the Lord of like, you know, you've grown, grown us in, in this experience of sitting in that prayer room, of, of, being, being, of worshiping you, of wanting these spiritual gifts, of wanting these things that we've led to believe are good. What are we missing? And there was a day that I remember distinctly, I was, I was taking the garbage out, I was walking through our garage, having the same dialogue with the Lord for, yeah, I don't know how many days in a row. And in a way that I can't fully explain, he just says to me, he says, 
you won't understand how prayer, prayer is supposed to work and how, how I want to interact with you and mature you if you don't understand what good and perfect gifts are. And I remember sta- standing there and being like, well, Lord, tell me, what does that mean? And he said, good and perfect gifts are things that you don't typically want because I care more about your character than about your comfort. So I'm gonna invite you into things that are hard that allow you to mature and to become more trustworthy. And in that moment, um, he, he, he told me, this is the thing that I'll, I'll, I'll loop back in at the end, but I'm continuing to work on. And he invited me and he said, he said, I want you to start asking me when you don't see the answer to your prayer, when you don't see the thing that, you, that you've been believing for in faith, ask me what is the better thing that I have for you that I don't currently understand and I don't see. And that, that, that has really transformed and continues to transform my prayer life and the way that I interact with the Lord. Because God cares about our character because he cares about his kingdom and he's bringing it in full force. And we as sons and daughters of the king, he wants to invite us into doing that, into creating culture, into creating order, into bringing his goodness forth. So that's where I, I, I want to invite you guys into the idea that, that good, and, good and perfect gifts from the Lord are an invitation into situations that will mature us into being more like him so that we can love better and we can represent his king, kingdom better. The, with, with that lens, and as we continue to, to wrestle with that, I, I just want, want to share a couple of stories of looking back over the, over the last few eight, eight, 10 years of our, of, of, of our life and things that I didn't know were good and perfect gifts at the time, but that have had a meaningful shift in, in, in maturity for us. I think it was about eight years ago, my, my, my wife and I were in a position, we, had a, um, we, we only had one kid at the time, we have four now, and uh, one of my uncles, he has started a charitable foundation called Facing Homelessness, and where he, the, the, the main purpose, uh, particularly at that time, was to humanize, humanize the homeless people, make them seem, remind us that these are actual people with actual stories that need to be loved. And it was late October, and he just, he'd written a post um, about a gal who was eight months pregnant that was living, living on the streets in Seattle. And me, back up for a second, that particular year going into it, I, um, yeah, this is one of those foolish things, ask, ask, ask for it and God's gonna give it to you in these kinds of ways. I told him at the beginning of the year, I said, Lord, this year I would like to prove to you that I'm trustworthy and I, that, I, that you can ask me to do hard things and I will do it. And so going into that, I'd been praying that all year. And honestly, that's still a constant prayer for me. It's like, Lord, how, please make me more trustworthy. I never want to become less trustworthy. I want to be more trustworthy of the things that matter to you. But so this post came up. My wife saw it. We, you know, we had our one kid. We were in a two-bedroom apartment that we weren't using the second bedroom. And we decided to say, you know what? We don't know this, this gal's story, but we can't have a gal who's eight months pregnant be on the street. So we invited her to live in our house for a while. And so she came in. She lived in our house. The, we had to set some boundaries, but she, she constantly smelled, smelled, smelled like marijuana, and she cussed like a sailor, and she didn't know the, who the dad, of, you know, the dad of her baby was. And we got to wrestle with all of these hard and unique and interesting things with her. And honestly, got to have some, we got to learn to have compassion for her, where she was at, learn more about you know, her mental illnesses and the experiences she had navigating government benefits. And it, it grew us and, and allowed us to say, okay, we can step into a hard, kind of sticky, messy, messy situation and, and we, we can have a benefit. We can be God's hand and feet, but also that, that grew us and matured us and t- told us that we can do scary and hard things. The, I mean, to c- continue that story, she went, she, she had the baby, the, 
CPS came, and she was, I mean, had some, some stability issues, and CPS said, we're going to need to take the baby. And we stepped in, and, and my wife, you know, so generously, she was like, well, what if we let her continue to stay with us with the baby while you figure out what's going on? And in that process, she then came, moved back into our house. We ended up, oh, through, through that time, helping her get into, get into housing, which she now, which she still has, you know, six, seven years later. And... Uh, Slowly but surely, I mean, she, her, her baby was taken away temporarily, but I think she's gotten to a place where she now gets to interact with them and has partial custody. And if we hadn't, if we hadn't accepted God's invitation to let her into our house, we wouldn't have had the benefit of maturing, and she probably wouldn't be in the position she is now of having housing, having access to her children, and having a much different space. Um, it's such a wonderful experience, kingdom-wise. Uh, a, a more, uh, a just as, as personal story for our, our third child, Daniel, the, um, we, w- w- when he, when he was born 20, 24 weeks in, my wife had some random contractions. We went in, got an ultrasound and it turns out that he had stopped growing. He hadn't grown since the 20 week ultrasound, uh, come to find out much later, he had two knots in his cord. So there's a lot, you know, it's a difficult getting nutrition to him, but as a result, my wife had to go in every single week for the rest, you know, to get ultrasounds and, and eat a bunch of protein and do things because the doctors didn't quite know what was happening. The, but through that, because her body was working overtime to, to take care of him, I had to step in more than, more than expected to take care of our two kids while running a business. And I remember that season for about seven months of that pregnancy, I... I would get up at you know, 5.30 in the morning. I would clean the house. I would then go to work. I would come back. I'd put my kids to bed. I'd put my wife to bed. I would clean the house. And I'd go to bed at like 10, 30, 11. And I did that for seven months. And I remember about two months into that, um, there, there was a traveling pastor who came. And he, uh, one of those guys, you look at him, you're like, you're wise. You've done a lot of things. You've been living with God for a long time. And, and I asked him, like, do you have any advice? I'm working really hard right now. And I'm tired and I don't, I don't quite know how much longer I can, I can navigate this. And he just gets that little twinkle in his eye and he says, well, just die more. <laughs> and he's just learned, learn to die to yourself more. And, and you know, by, by, the end of, by the end of that, by the time we had our, our third son, Daniel, I, I had had the just beautiful experience of every night, the more I did that, the more I found that Jesus met me there. Jesus would do the dishes with me in the evenings. He would, he would vacuum. He would pick up the books. He would help me tuck the kids into bed. And I just, I, I don't know if I want to go back to it now, but there was a period of time during that stage where I fell in love with those quiet evenings with Jesus because it was, it was our time. It was our time together. And that, that matured me and put me in a position where I realized I can do hard things. I can do hard things for a long time and I can do it for others. The... So it was, with that, it's, it's those kinds of experiences that having pushed through those, having accepted God's invitation in, into maturity, that I've realized that if I understand that God cares about others and cares about his kingdom and he's inviting us into it, I can't go back to things that, that's, that, that settle for less than his goodness. I'm unwilling to not accept his invitation to maturity. The especially once I realized that those invitations to do the hard things I didn't want to do are things that are really just gifts for me because he wants me to be a partner. He wants us to be partners in his kingdom. The, looping it back in a little bit to, to Mark, um, who we've been talking about is, uh, I, I think we could probably all realize this, but as I was processing this with the Lord, I realized that the first and the best 
uh, you know, good and perfect gift that we didn't want was Jesus, right? Jesus came down, he says, you know, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but then what did we do? We killed him. The, uh, but he, he was the first one to show us what it looks like to give selfishly, to bring that goodness. And in his death and resurrection, he now invites us in to, to be a people that, hang on. He invites us into a people that accept his good and perfect gifts, which his good and perfect gifts really are an invitation to death and resurrection. Mark, would you be able to grab that book for me? Real quick. I meant to grab it. Thank you, sir. The, uh, this book is it's called Searching for Sunday. Ben actually gave it to me um, a few months ago for my birthday. But in it, the, the author, Rachel Held Evans, she's talking about baptism. She's talking about Jesus. And I just want to share this quote with you that just really, really wrecked me, talking about death and resurrection and, and thinking about this in the context of good and perfect gifts. It says, the death and resurrection, it's the impossibility around which every impossibility of the Christian faith orbits. Baptism declares that God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. So if you want in on God's business, you better be prepared to follow God to all of the rock bottom, scorched earth, the dead on arrival corners of the world, including those in your own heart, because that's where God works. That's where God gardens. Baptism reminds us that there's no ladder to holiness to climb, no self-improvement plan to follow. It's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day, as God reaches down into our deepest graves and with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, rests us from our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. Good and perfect gifts invite us out of those things by inviting us into death and resurrection, by giving us things that we didn't know that we wanted. The, uh, on, on Friday, uh, I got a haircut, and it was... You gotta look good for Sunday. But it was with the, the gal who cuts my hair. She is, um, she, she's a good friend, actually. Used to go to the, you know, the church that we, that we previously went to. And we, we were chatting and catching up. And she started telling me the story that just, she had no idea I was preaching this Sunday. She didn't know what the topic was. But she shared how when she was 17, she got in a, a traumatic car accident where she had a traumatic brain injury, had to relearn how to walk, a few, a few crazy things for three months, but actually had a pretty miraculous recovery. But recently, she found herself in a position where um, she bumped into a, a mom who had written a book about her son who had basically the same exact incident, the same exact car accident, but it was, it was the worst case scenario version. His whole body had been it just, it just crushed. He continues to have, to have, have brain injuries. He looks, I mean, he's a little, a little bit delayed as a result of it. But in the story, this, this gal talks about, in, in ter, uh, talks about when, when that happened, while they were wrestling through the, the trauma of her son going through these things, she found that the church didn't come alongside her. The church wasn't God's hands and feet. It, it didn't bring her the meals. It didn't do the things. And to her credit, she was this close to just, say, just telling the church to go away. But she decided instead to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to seminary and find out who Jesus is. And she did. And she, she found out who Jesus was. And in, through that process, she fell in love with Jesus. And, and her son fell in love with Jesus. And her son is now, I mean, he, well, he still has some impacts of that. He's married. He's a missionary. He tells Jesus, he tells everybody he meets that uh, Jesus saved his life and how much he loves Jesus. And, 
the, once again, I, this was before I'd even mentioned to, to this gal that I was preaching about good and perfect gifts. She said this, this lady mentioned, she said that after going through seminary, after, after falling in love with Jesus, after seeing her son fall in love with Jesus, she realized that that brutal car accident was the, was the better thing that God had for their family than what they'd actually wanted for themselves because of the way that invited them into death and resurrection, into a relationship with the Lord that changed everything. So to wrap up just with, with a, few, a few key summary pieces, just uh, to bring it all together, just a reminder that, that God created us in his image with his nature. He's called us to step into the chaos of life and partner with him to create order and goodness. He's invited humanity to proclaim and assert his kingdom over creation in loving ways. And Jesus has told us exactly what, what is most important to him, that loving God and loving our neighbor and our neighbor being everyone is at the heart of his kingdom. Of, of, of his invitation to us. And thankfully, and it's good to remember, is that we cannot successfully love God and love others separately. We can't do one or the other. They have to be the same thing. Because he knew that we can't do that on our own, he sent his son to die for our sins and he's invited us into that death and resurrection life with him. And when we accept Jesus as Lord and Father, we're giving him permission to transform us into people that look like him people who love radically and bring forth his kingdom. Because God cares more about our character and his kingdom than our comfort, good and perfect gifts are really invitations into being people who are, as, as uh, it was said in James, people who are mature and complete, not lacking anything, people who are trustworthy with the things God loves and cares about. So I just invite you guys today, as you, as you pray and interact with the Lord, as you think about faith and belief, that that as you press in and get to know him, that you consider asking God, when I don't see what I want, when, I, when, when what I asked you for isn't happening, what is the good and perfect gift that you have for me that I don't currently see, that I don't currently understand? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, let me close this out in prayer. Father, Father, help us to trust you more and to have the boldness to step into the hard and scary things that will grow our character and that will build your kingdom. Thank you that you are a good father, that you have safe hands, that your invitation is one that is, that is trustworthy. Lord, it's a, thank you that you, you never quit on us, that, that you were the first one, that you were the first one to proclaim death and resurrection, that you have invited us to be your beloved children. Thank you for how much you love us. Continue to remind us how much you love others and, and to give us that same love for others and let it be at the center of, of, of our calling the center of, our, center of our calling with you to be people that love you radically and love others radically as we continue to show your kingdom love and assert, assert that boldly um, and with your goodness over all of creation. We thank you. Amen.